0: Welcome to the Pursue Whole Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Maurer, and in this podcast, I share my insights as a leadership coach and former therapist. I sit down with some of the highest level leaders in business, entertainment, and human performance to help you pursue wholeness in your work, life, and relationships. Thanks for joining me. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Pursue Whole Podcast. One of our core beliefs at Pursue Whole is that pain is a pathway to growth. As a growing company, we believe that embracing pain rather than avoiding it is a catalyst that will make us more resilient, joyful, impactful, and successful. I wanted to address this issue today because this core belief has been such a paradigm shift that has transformed my personal life, leadership, and relationships. As leaders, we need to recognize that there are aspects of business and leadership that we do and do not have control over. Pain is one of those aspects that we cannot fully control. Now, I believe that there is some pain that leaders bring upon themselves by mismanaging their resources in life. For example, if you struggle with poor time management, the inability to say no, people pleasing, or the inability to regulate your anger or fear, then you are signing up for a life of pain. These are areas of your life that we can change to decrease the amount of pain that we face in a single day. Now, at the same time, there's also pain that will come your way that has nothing to do with what you did or did not do. This is the type of pain that we cannot control, and yet many leaders spend their entire life trying to think that they can control this, and better yet, they spend their entire life avoiding it at all costs. One thing that I see working with high-level leaders in my office is that many of these leaders spend their time, energy, and resources working to outpace and avoid pain. They try to spend their whole life trying to increase feelings of joy and peace and excitement and hope, while at the same time... They try to numb and suppress feelings or experiences that evoke pain or loneliness, discouragement, fear, or sadness. Their whole life is spent running away from pain and running towards pleasure that they think will alleviate their pain. But great leaders don't avoid pain. Great leaders spend their time, energy, and resources working to become the type of leader who will be transformed by that pain that is inevitably going to come. They focus their energy on what they can control, which is themselves, rather than what they don't have the power to control, which is the pain of life and leadership. Pain is inevitable, but many leaders spend their life trying to outpace it only to end up more tired, lost, and immature as leaders. I think of pain as being really similar to the aging process. So as we age, we slowly transition back to what we were like as a child. So for instance, our cognition begins to slow, our mobility becomes disjointed, our vision begins to fade, and our muscle tissue loses its strength. And as a result, we find ourselves you know, fumbling or tumbling or falling like a two-year-old who is basically learning to walk for the first time. And this is the human life cycle. This is a natural part of what it means to be human. And while you might be able to delay the process of aging, you can't escape its power. The same is true for pain. It is inevitable. So why do so many leaders spend their lifetime avoiding pain? And more importantly, how do you as a leader embrace pain and allow it to become the pathway to your growth? That's exactly what we're going to be talking about on today's episode. So let's jump in working with leaders, there are three main reasons that I see why leaders tend to avoid their pain. The first one is that pain is a very unnatural process. I'm going to get into some science here around how the brain works, so hang with me. But we have this entire portion of our brain that is built around identifying pain so that our body can respond to that pain by fighting it, fleeing it, or freezing in the midst of it. And all of these responses are there to help us survive and make it through to the other side. So two examples that come to mind when I think about this process are exercise and cold exposure. When you're working out, your muscles contract and your heart rate increases. And as a byproduct of this process, you increase the carbon dioxide buildup in your bloodstream and thus increase lactic acid in your body. This results in the sensation of what we identify as the burn. And you feel that when you're working out. If you were to do a wall sit, for example, for 30 to 90 seconds, you'd slowly feel this process develop in your legs. You'd start to breathe heavier, you'd start to sweat more, and your legs would begin to shake and feel this lactic acid burn. But lactic acid is actually a safety mechanism in our body that is trying to tell us, hey, you need to stop. You're entering into an unnatural process. This could result in injury. Now, cognitively, we know that when we push through that process in an informed and educated way, we actually don't increase injury, we increase growth. But the main thing is that your body won't tell you to keep going. It will always send signals to you to stop and slow down when pain is present. The other example of how this works is through cold exposure. I remember a long time ago, I was in Idaho with a group of friends in the dead of winter, And we all made this agreement that we were gonna jump into this freezing cold lake together. And as I dove into the water, I was completely submerged underwater. My entire body froze. My brain felt like it was in a vice and I could barely catch my breath. So naturally my lungs would breathe really wide and open and my lungs just became extremely restricted and my entire body tightened. So everything inside of my body in that moment was screaming to me, get out of the water. Now, I didn't stay in for more than 60 seconds, but I remember that I had to force my body to open up and actually swim to the side of the lake when my body really wanted to tighten up and collapse. And if I would have just simply listened to the natural response of my body, I would have died in the water. I would have just closed up. I wouldn't have been able to breathe and I would have stayed still. But cognitively, I knew I needed to get back on the side. So I opened up my arms. I took a deep breath and I swam back to the lake. But my body was telling me during pain, close up, tighten up. When we face pain, our natural response is to either avoid it, tighten up around it, or fight it. And these are all natural and subconscious processes that are occurring deep below our conscious awareness. So let me explain this briefly by sharing how the brain is developed. When we're born, our brain develops from bottom to top and then from right to left. And the first portion of the brain that is developed in an infant is the brainstem. Now, this is responsible for automatic processes in our body that aid to our survival. This is things like heart rate regulation, respiratory rate, digestion, temperature regulation, muscle constriction, and relaxation. And these are all mechanisms that happen in our body without us cognitively having to think about them. This process is extremely fast, it's very primitive, and it's constantly sending signals to our brain from our six primary senses. And yes, I said six, and this is why. We take in information extremely quickly through our sight, taste, what we hear, what we smell, what we touch. Now, you just heard me name five senses, but actually, one of them has two facets. So when we think about touch, there is external touch, and there is internal touch, that making up six senses external touch is what we feel on our body on the outside so the temperature of the room the clothes brushing up against our skin our spouse giving us a hug but what we don't realize is that our body is constantly assessing our internal touch as we explore the world around us so these could be things like a churning in our stomach uh deep muscle ache in our upper back or our neck, pressure in our heart because it's racing, or a constriction in our breath. And in order for pain to be the pathway to growth as a leader, we need to become aware of how our body is experiencing the world through external touch, but we also need to have a good awareness on internal touch. We need to slow down and assess, what is my heart rate doing? How am I breathing? Where do I feel tension in my body? So try this with me for the next 10 seconds do a quick body scan and notice what your body feels on the inside. So just pause, get in a quiet place. Notice the pressure, tension, relaxation, or tightness in your shoulders. Just for a second, just pause here. Now notice some of the sensations in your chest or your stomach. Is it tight? Is it cold? Is it loose? Does it feel full or empty? How about in your hips and your legs? What you're doing with these exercises is beginning to gain really valuable information on how your internal world is making sense of your external world. Cues and triggers in your outer world are gonna shape the way your body feels on the inside. So, looping this back together, the reason why we're talking about how the brain works is because we're driving home this point that pain is a very unnatural process. And as a leader, you need to be aware of that because transforming that pain into a key area of growth is is counterintuitive. You really have to slow this entire process down. The next portion of our brain that develops is the limbic system. And this part of our brain sees the world through emotions and relationships. So we have the brainstem, and then above that is the limbic system. And this is constantly scanning our environment now for nonverbal cues and relationships. So when you look at someone's face, you're assessing very quickly, are they distressed or are they pleased with me? Is there a feeling of safety or danger? And once again, it's doing this all without our rational brain picking this up. These are subconscious drivers and and sensations that are happening without our awareness. And this is the portion of our brain that causes us to cross our arms and take a step back when we feel unsafe with the person in front of us. This is also the portion of our brain that holds the amygdala, the fire alarm portion of our brain. So when we talked about the brainstem and these six senses and how we take in the world around us, if there are threats in our environment, either through touch or what we see or what we hear, it's going to send signals up to the amygdala that sends us into fight Flight or freeze. And when you are faced with pain or distress, your brain, which is built to avoid pain as a form of survival, will either kick you into fight, flight, or freeze. So think about this for a second. When you feel your heart racing or are anxious in a relationship, how many times do you flee to other work tasks? How often do you keep your mind busy with streaming platforms or tasks around the house or new business ideas? Likewise, when your spouse says something hurtful or doesn't meet your needs, how often do you respond with fighting back? You start to argue with them or you elevate your tone in your voice or you start taking jabs at them passive aggressively. This would be a form of fighting in the midst of that pain. And we can even find ourselves freezing in the midst of pain or distress. I mean, think about that person that you know you need to fire, (laughs) but you just can't get over that hump of actually doing it. You're frozen. You lose your sense of power or your ability to create movement in your life or think about a big decision that is in front of you that you feel paralyzed by because you can't figure out all the information you need to make this informed decision and you just sit there, you stew on it for weeks or months when you know you should have made a decision months ago. That is a form of freeze. So when we're faced with conflict or pain in our life, you'll often go to fight, flight, or freeze and that's a natural process that's happening in the brain. The second reason why leaders tend to avoid pain is because they believe that pleasure will inevitably give them what they're longing for. So think about how much time as a society we seek to insulate ourselves around comfort and pleasure. And oftentimes leaders, because they have more resources than the general population, have the privilege of actually outsourcing a lot of their pain. Now, what I will say sitting with leaders is that leaders have way more pain points than the general population in unique ways that the general population does not. But hang with me for a second on this. Some of the most unhappy people I know are those who, from the world's perspective, have it all. They have the money, they have the success, they have the fame, they have the influence, and yet they are some of the loneliest people in the world. And when we insulate ourselves with the pleasures of life and we outsource much of our pain, it's really easy to lose joy, and and here's why. I actually believe that pain is the pathway not only to our growth, but also to our joy and delight. Research has actually shown that when we suppress difficult emotions, such as sadness or loneliness or fear, we also suppress more pleasurable emotions such as joy or peace, satisfaction or delight. So if you don't like sadness and you pull that down, you're also going to pull down a sense of joy. If you want to open up the door of joy and peace and satisfaction in your life, you have to walk through the door of pain and grief and loss and sadness. Now hear me, I'm not saying it's wrong to have nice things or to find pleasure in the beauties of, that this world has to offer. I love experiencing the world and all that it has, but it's when leaders spend their lives trying to chase that pleasure or thrill or satisfaction and joy while also trying to avoid pain and sadness, they will inevitably hit the block wall of despair. You don't need the next cool thing You don't need to make more money. You don't need to have another trip. Sometimes you need to simply face and feel your pain and share that pain with one person in your life. Opening up that door will be the catalyst for you to find true joy, the kind that money, success, and pleasure are not going to be able to give you. Everything that I just said there in point two is going to sound extremely counterintuitive to your brain and what society tells us, but pursuing wholeness isn't really about following what's natural. It is about pursuing a meaningful vision for your life, leadership, and relationships. And oftentimes, this is through an unnatural process. It's through the process of pain. And lastly, the third reason that I believe leaders avoid pain in their life is because their energy stores are depleted. Doing the hard work of facing our pain, feeling our pain, and transforming our pain is an energy training experience. If you've ever gone to therapy or done deep coaching, Oftentimes, you leave that experience pretty wiped for the rest of the day. It's hard work. It's difficult to talk about what we feel and face some of the hard things that are going on inside. It takes really hard work, and it will naturally use up a lot of our emotional and mental energy. And oftentimes, a leader's emotional and mental tank is already running on empty. So a couple questions for you, leader. How long have you as a leader been running on empty? How many times do you say yes to things when you really know you should be saying no? How often do you delay vacation or time off because you're worried that your team's going to think you're lazy or uncommitted to the company? How often do you avoid those hard conversations and instead you just talk about that person behind their back? How often do you put on this leadership or this charismatic energy even when you feel discouraged and depleted? And how often do you show up for people's needs but forget to ask yourself, man, what do I want? What do I need out of life? All of these actions and behaviors and thoughts, these are gonna deplete your emotional and mental reserves. It is very difficult to do hard things when you haven't had a reprieve from those hard things in months or years. Everything in life seems hard. So why would you wanna do another hard thing like face your pain? What would it look like for you to take a step back Think about what you need in this season and start setting healthier boundaries in your life from things and people that are really depleting those energy stores. Think about one thing you need to say no to in your life that is stripping you of your emotional and mental energy. Take action on that one thing this week so that you can have some space to actually feel what you need to feel. If you want pain to be your pathway to growth, which I believe all great leaders must master, then you need to have fuel left in your emotional and mental tank to successfully handle this challenge. So as we discussed, while pain is the pathway to growth, many leaders avoid pain for three primary reasons. It's an unnatural process. Our brain and body will constantly encourage us to avoid it at all costs. Number two, leaders believe that pleasure is the only thing that will bring them joy. When in reality, it's actually pain that is a pathway to true delight, joy, and meaning. And number three, leaders have empty emotional and mental tanks. They don't have the bandwidth to face, feel, and transform their pain because it's being expelled everywhere and with everyone else. So how do we lean into pain as a pathway to growth as a leader? How do you stop fearing it and start facing it? How do you stop using all your resources in life to avoid that pain, and how do you start using your resources to transform that pain? Well, there are three mental shifts that you, as a leader, have to embrace in order to start transforming your pain into growth. The first is that you need to accept that pain is inevitable. So just like aging that we talked before, you can slow that process down, but you can't escape its power. Instead of finding ways around pain in your life, learn to accept that the reality is that pain is coming. It is a part of your life. Accept that when you sign up for leadership, you sign up for more pain. I hate to break that to you, but if you want to be a leader, you're in store for more pain than the general population in a lot of unique ways. As you go through this process of acceptance, you're naturally going to feel probably a sense of anger or denial or maybe even depression as you recognize that, man, pain... And he's telling me that pain is just going to keep coming. That sounds really discouraging and deflating. Why would I want to focus on that? And I I I have to have you focus on that because you need to know that no trip or no experience or no money or no new toy is going to be able to insulate you from that pain of life. It's going to keep coming. And you have to face that reality. And this can be really discouraging at first, but I encourage you to hang with it. That discouragement will turn to strength and power. Find someone in your life who has actually leaned into that pain, who's embraced that pain, and who's transformed that pain, and ask them, sit down with them, connect with them, and ask them, how did you do that? How did you make it through? And more importantly, find a tribe that is going to help you face, feel, and transform that pain rather than run away from it. The second thing that you need to do as a leader is that you need to believe that pain is a catalyst to your growth. A lot of leaders look at pain and they avoid it. They think there's no benefit to it. You actually have to start reframing it and saying that pain is a unique catalyst for your growth and development as a leader. Instead of simply accepting that that pain is coming, yeah, that's unavoidable, you also need to open up to its transformative work in your life. One way that I've learned to do this in my own life is to actually visualize pain or distress or stress as a wise sage or my coach. I've learned to see pain as a friend and an ally rather than a foe and an enemy. So I will often say out loud to myself, I hate this pain. It feels horrible. I don't want to be in this, but I know what it's trying to do. I know it's trying to clean me out i know it's trying to bring me to a better version of myself and even just simply acknowledging that that i don't like it i wish it wasn't happening but i know that it's going to help me be the best version of myself is really embracing that as a catalyst to my growth the question that i have for you as a leader is what image do you need to have in your mind as you think about pain do you need to think about it as a friend as a wise sage as a coach or a mentor Personifying pain and believing that it is there for you to transform you will help you stay out of the mindset that it's there to destroy you. Anytime there's growth, there must first be death. And anytime we embrace the new, we must first let go of the old. There will be areas of your life or aspects on how you do things that will need to die away in order for new birth to take place. So you need to ask yourself as a leader, if I'm going to let pain bring about this growth in my life, what are key areas that need to die in order for pain to bring about new birth? Believe that pain is for you. It is here for your joy. It is here to help you become a whole leader. It is there to enhance your relationships, to bring you more joy, more purpose, and more meaning. Submit to it and hold tightly to the hope that through that pain, you're going to experience joy. You can do this as a leader. The last thing that you need to believe and embrace as a leader in order to transform that pain is you need to allow pain to lead you into a deeper relationship with yourself and others. So as you learn to embrace pain in your life, you need to surround it with a lot of compassion. So as you face yourself and as you dig into the messy parts of your life or messy parts of other people's lives, don't be critical and don't judge yourself for your struggle. When you can't figure it out, when you make a mistake, try to be way more curious and compassionate than critical with yourself. When I think about the leaders who I've worked with or leaders that I look up to who have embraced their pain They have been some of the most insightful and wise leaders that I know. They seem to know their inner world better than anyone else, and they carry a sense of confidence that is unshakable. It's unlike anything that I've seen before. And as you face your pain, be open to the new facets of yourself that maybe you didn't know before. You're going to see things about yourself that you don't like. You're also going to see things about yourself that maybe you didn't realize that you possessed, like resiliency or confidence or depth or a joy that you didn't know was there before. Pain also provides a unique opportunity for us to enter into deeper relationships with other people. You can't do this journey alone. You need a tribe around you that you can be brutally honest with. You need a guide to help you navigate the messy and complex emotions that are going to come up through this process. And you need friends who will support you rather than laugh at you when you open up about your feelings or open up about hard things going on in your life. As you begin to share with others about some of those struggles, they will begin to open up about their struggles, and that's actually how you build deep, authentic, and meaningful connections. It's often through sharing our pain, ironically, that deep relationships are formed. And I know a lot of leaders that I sit with who really crave, they have this five-year vision of they want deep and purposeful and meaning relationships, and part of that comes through the messy. It comes through digging in and actually expressing some of the pain points of life with other people in their life. So in summary, three things that you need to do as a leader in order to transform your pain into growth is that you need to accept that pain is inevitable. You can't outsource it and you cannot outrun it. The second thing you need to do is believe and hope that pain is a catalyst for your growth. Accept it as a friend rather than as an enemy. And the third is that you need to allow pain to lead you into a deeper awareness of yourself and allow it to challenge yourself to be honest about what you struggle with, with your tribe. This will allow you to find connection and help you actually successfully navigate this journey. You cannot do this alone. You have to find a tribe around you to help support you. Pursuing wholeness is not for the faint of heart. It is for elite leaders. It is for those who want to set themselves apart from the pack. Those who want to aspire for something more in their life. Those who seek to have a lasting impact and deep connected relationships in their life. Pursuing wholeness is for those who want more depth, meaning, peace, and connection in their life and whole leaders spend their life focusing on who they need to be in order to deal with the pain that is ahead rather than spending their whole life avoiding that pain that will inevitably come. If you need support, we have coaches who are available to help you transform that pain into your greatest asset. And Remember, leaders change the world, but it's whole leaders who are going to change that world for the better. Take care, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. For more resources, links, and show notes, visit pursuehole.com and click podcast. Before we go, it would be extremely helpful if you would please leave a review on iTunes or wherever you find this podcast. This helps me understand my audience better and serve more leaders such as yourself. That's it for me this week. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or other social platforms and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Pursue Whole Podcast.